listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. It is day 43 and 44. Woo! We are doing it. We are doing it. We are getting, just getting into those numbers. Mm. 44, 43, and uh, we are at what, some of the greatest passages, really. I mean, you have to admit, these are like... Yeah, the they kids, line up so nicely, too. As the kids used to say 20 years ago, uh-huh. it's pretty fat. Huh. Pretty fat with the pH. pH? Yeah. Okay. The pH levels are perfect. Off the charts. Off the charts on this. Um, <laughs> Exodus chapter 11 through 14. So we got a lot to get to, but uh, we are going right into the final plague. Mm-hmm. And the final plague has to do with... Oh, yeah. So our Old Testament reading is oh. Exodus chapter 11 through chapter 14. That's right. Mm. Old Testament. All right. It's time for the, the final, the grand finale of all the plagues, which is... Yeah, so we're coming out of the... Ninth, drum roll, please. The ninth plague, uh, which was darkness for three days. And then uh, Pharaoh tells Moses, don't ever see my face again right. or else you'll die. And Moses is like, oh, okay. Yeah. And so he walks away, and then we get the Lord telling Moses, okay, I'm going to bring one more plague, and Pharaoh will forcefully expel you from the land after this plague. And it is... The death of the firstborn child. Yes. But even beyond that, it's the death of the firstborn, which I noticed. So uh, in Egypt, uh, and this will be a verse that will... It's coming up in chapter 12, I believe. But in chapter 11, it's kind of quick. It's just basically the plan of the Lord, which is I'm going to send the angel of death and it's going to kill the firstborn of Egypt and the firstborn of their animals. Yeah, so, yeah, anything. So as they worshipped, you know, Egypt would worship bulls, they'd worship goats, and uh, again, the firstborn being killed is a sign of total dominance Mm-hmm. and victory and peace actually yes. you know that there's so many layers to this but one of the ideas in the ancient cultures is that this is how you solidify peace this is that, like uh reconciliation or restitution yeah and redemption like it, mm-hmm. it's all of it and so when the firstborn is killed the debts are paid mm-hmm. and so it, we're going to see that Egypt is going to have to pay the ultimate price for its slavery and attempted murder of God's firstborn. And so there's that aspect of it, but there's also a peacemaking aspect to it where God's going to not hold the sins of Egypt against them because their firstborn are all going to die. Right. But what's going to happen is even more amazing is that uh, God says, tell the people of Israel to ask the Egyptians for all their gold, for all their silver, for all anything they want. And in this way, they're plundering Egypt. Mm Mm-hmm. And Egypt freely gives it to them. Yeah. In fact, Egypt, Pharaoh has lost total control of the people. He's lost his popular, like his popularity is an all-time low uh, (laughs) after nine plagues that have done nothing but destroy the land, morale, their bodies. Anyway, it's it's awful. Yeah. So like the last thing they have is their material wealth. And they say, here, take it. Yeah. And then the Lord- get out of here. And the Lord's going to protect them. And um, he's going to protect his people- and because he wants to make a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Like, here are my firstborn, mm-hmm. and here are the firstborn of Pharaoh. 
One is into, unto death and one is unto life. And don't forget, God's been gracious in inviting and allowing Egypt to do the right thing. Right, yeah. Like, he allows them, he gives them a chance to respond to his plagues. Right. Like, before they happen to protect themselves. And some of them do actually follow it. Yeah. And so, with in this one, he says, I will protect my people, but my people have to do something this time. Like before, it was just like a passive, like, here's darkness over the land of Egypt, but right. Goshen's going to have light. But now it's my, this destroying angel is going to go through the land, and if you want to be protected, if you want to protect your firstborn, you are going to have to do something now. Right. And it is, it's amazing. Passover is established. So the idea, and I think most of us are familiar with the idea of Passover, angel of death passes over the houses that have been marked by the blood of a lamb. Of a firstborn lamb. A firstborn lamb under the age of a year, mm-hmm. um, over the age of eight days, under the age of 12 months. It's a perfect offering. Mm-hmm. And that blood will be put on the doorpost. But, um, and he says, you're going to do this, this this month that we're leaving. I forget the name of the month, Nissan or something. Yeah, Ni- yeah it's uh, Nissan. And this month now is the first month of the calendar. Because God is creating a nation. This is the days of creation of the nation. Mm -hmm. Really, so you got the plagues, and now the nation is going to be born. The promise to Abraham is being, again, it's on its way to being completely fulfilled. 430 years later, he's now saying, you are a real nation, and here is our day of independence. Mm -hmm. Here's our 4th of July. Only our 4th of July is not going to last. It's going to change the whole calendar. This is the first month, and on the first month, you celebrate Passover for the first seven days. You get together on day one, and then you get together on day seven, and that's what this chapter 12 is going to um, break down, is how do you celebrate? Because the celebration of this is a recognition of the reality that Mm -hmm. we are a nation of God, and you never want to forget who God is, what he's done for you, how he's brought you from bondage to freedom. And so these things were created. It's going to be every part of their nation is going to be founded on what happens at exit at the Exodus. Yeah, and <clears throat> again, when we can understand who God is and remember who God is, it gives us a better picture and idea of who we are. Yeah, and so we are people who God protects and values and goes to great lengths to save. And so it's worth remembering because it's easy to forget. Yeah, and so He sets up uh, what they're supposed to do, and really it's in preparation for the reality of their situation. So uh, after the death of the firstborn, like that night, that the very night, Pharaoh summons Moses in and is like, get out, take everyone and go. And so the Lord had prepared them saying, look, have everything ready to go. Be ready to travel. Don't use leaven in your bread because it takes time for it to rise. You're going to have to bake flat cakes to just quickly eat and go. Right. Don't leave anything behind, like for the lamb, when they sacrifice the lamb. Like, don't leave it behind for the morning. Burn everything. Eat it all or burn it. So, yeah, so this is what I was going to ask you about, Matt. Mm. So we got the Passover where he says, you're going to roast this lamb. You're yeah. going to eat it, mm-hmm. but you're not going to break its bones. You're not going to boil it. Um, and what was interesting, so you're going to do the lamb thing. You're going to eat unleavened bread because you got to go fast. There's bitter herbs. Mm-hmm. 
which is again is all like, and you're gonna eat with your belt buckled and your sandals on because this is the night you're gonna escape. Um, but he does say, when you kill this lamb, everyone kills it on the 14th day of this month because I guess that's when they, the 15th day is when they actually left yes. Egypt. So the 14th day, you relive this Passover experience. You're supposed to do it every year at the first month, like January of every year, you know, for mm-hmm. them. Um, but what I thought was amazing was everybody is supposed to kill their sacrifice at the same time, at twilight yeah. on day 14. So I was just imagining that day approaches. Everybody's prepared. You hear all this like, bah, 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 bah. you know, it's like you mm-hmm. feel like you just kind of hear the sound of your lamb. It's all in the house or around the barbecue pit. And then at the same time, everyone kills. And you hear that, all of a sudden it must be silent. Yeah. Like no more sheep all of a sudden just going, oh. And then there's probably smells, there's blood, and how, well, how vivid. And, um, but you know, like after a hurricane, everyone goes out and works together and everybody yeah. goes out or has a shared experience or like New Year's Eve where it's like, oh, we're so happy. You know, we think of it as gross, but... This instead of their children dying and being slaved by Egypt, this lamb has taken the death. Yes. And so it's total celebration. Yes. And and then it's set up so that your kids are like, why do we do this again? Oh, because God didn't, you know, God saved us from people who were evil and who rejected him and who were trying to kill you when you were babies. And our God defended us and our God rescued us. Like this is what the story says. Yeah, he does. I mean, God does say to Moses. Uh, pretty frequently throughout these chapters, like, remember, tell your kids and your kids' kids, like, speak it to one another. And I think that idea of oral transmission has even been, like, a motivator for us to do this podcast. Yeah. Is kind of bringing back or reinvigorating this oral tradition because we are supposed to tell each other these stories and remember Mm -hmm. them. And sometimes it just sticks with us better when we hear it and just kind of reading it yeah, and passively engaging it. Well, in our culture, it's weird. We don't study culture. Like, kids don't do a study on what's cool and what music to listen to and who to follow. They just get it through the oral tradition, like mm-hmm. people are speaking. But we've turned the Bible into studies. Like, you have to read it, and you have to study it to know it. And so what you and I are trying to do is flip, flip the script and go, no, man, our story is the story of God. And there's a few people who read it and study it, yeah. like us, but we want to just keep the story alive among our kids, and the, and the reality of how we live mm-hmm. is different than the reality of how the world apart from God lives. But um, I see God flipping the script on Pharaoh, and don't ever forget, and then he says, look, you're going to have a lot of Egyptians now. Like, there's an evangelism to this where a bunch yeah. of Egyptians go with them because they're like, they're not, they're not fools. Like, we want the power of this God. Mm-hmm. Our God is less than your God, so we'll go with you. And so uh, God tells them, don't let any foreigner partake of the Passover unless they've been circumcised. Yeah. So they're allowed to be circumcised. So this is like evangelism. You're allowed to make a confession of faith, be baptized, and then you're welcome to the Lord's table. Mm-hmm. But you can't go to the Lord's table without... The circumcision. Yeah, without the sign of God. Oh, and I almost we almost the forgot. People. When you read it this time, did you realize the blood on the doorpost is oh, a cross? Yeah, it makes it, it like 
So like you even like the sign of the cross that right. you'll see priests make. Yeah. Like that is the sign. That's where like they put the blood. They put it on the top of the door and then on the two sides. Right. The Bible said. I mean, in that Lent, it's called like a has it's an L word, but it's the middle beam. Oh, so the lintel. Yeah. The lintel. So it makes a cross. Yeah. So like there's a middle beam. It goes down. It makes a cross. I guess all all the books I've read and all the as a kid or reading to my children. It's always like a swashbuckle of blood, like whoosh, like you just kind of like a bear paw took some blood and went across yeah. the top. And now but here I'm, it's like a boom, boom, boom. No, I'm reading it going, oh, this is a cross. Like the cross is the symbol. The bloody cross is the symbol of salvation it's so in crazy. Exodus. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So we get into, we got to keep moving into chapter 13 because now it's the, um, it actually happens. Um, well, yeah, so so we have um, within 12, like, he sets it all up. He prepares them. The We get midnight. Death angel comes through, passes over any doors with the bloody cross on them, and then kills everything else. Right. Um, there's a great cry throughout all of Egypt. Pharaoh says, get out of here. Be gone. Bless me also. Yeah, he does say, bless me, Moses. But do you realize, like, Egypt is crying, mm-hmm. so it's just this wailing that they heard the original night, but yeah. every Passover since, there's rejoicing. Rejoicing, yes. Let's eat. Yeah, because then it's a, Not joy, that's it's the, a barbecue. That's what happens, though, when we see God. Half yeah. of us cry because it's judgment, and the other half of us who have repented and have faith, we rejoice because it's grace. Yeah. And it's salvation. So they leave... Um, this is where we kind of actually see the size of Israel. I know, man. They've grown. Since so they we... have six from 70 to 600,000 men, which, like, you double that, and that's with the women. And so that's, like, an easy, like, 200,000. Yeah. And then, then you have all the kids. So, like, most estimates say they were around the size of 2 million and up because then you have all the rest of, like, the Egyptians that follow them. So when they're going into the desert, they're like two million people. They're yeah. a sizable nation. You know, I just realized too, as we go into chapter 13, this is where, um, so they make it out. Pharaoh says, get out of here. And the first thing God does is to consecrate the firstborn, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Um, a first fruit offering to the Lord. So like he's saying, you are mine. I've set you aside, Israel. Now you consecrate your firstborn. And the firstborn then would get the double blessing, Mm -hmm. carry the name. And you are my firstborn child, is what he's saying. So now consecrate all these things. Set them apart to me, because now you know I won't kill them. Mm -hmm. You've seen my heart for you, Israel. I'm going to bless your firstborn, so consecrate them to me. Give them to me like a sacrifice, because they can't be in a safer place. And um, And then we know Jesus, of course, claims us each as his own, and consecrates us by his work on the cross. But anyway, there's adoption, impact, inheritance. There's all these things happening. And in chapter 13, the way I see it anyway, Matt, is we must create like as fabric of this new nation is remember our exodus from Egypt. Mm -hmm. Because the exodus of Egypt is like a manifestation. It is God come to earth to save you. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah. Because that's what I do. And that's what I'm going to do for you eternally. And I'm creating a nation uh, whose, whose borders are the whole world. Yeah. And then uh, 
as they're leaving, we have God showing up in a physical manis- manifestation to his people as a, a cloud by day and fire by night. Yeah. And we were just out in the desert and... I know. And a cloud, like any shade in the desert is so relieving. Like instantly all the heat, like the well, heat drops. It's, and it's hard. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Right. It's hard in Florida because the humidity is everywhere. Yeah. So. But, you know, Israel's climate is very similar to California's. Yeah. And so in out there, we were in Death Valley. Any cloud cover or any shade, the temperature drops. And right. it could be outside of the shade, it's 100 degrees. Mm-hmm. Inside the shade, it's a perfect 70. Yeah. It's just, that is. You're it's right. It's nice. So, so there's that. And then at night, again, it gets light. It gets really dark. And then also it, it, the temperature will drop pretty yeah. quickly. Like... As soon as the sun's gone, the temperature drops pretty rapidly. So having a giant pillar of fire is going to be super helpful oh, to yeah. survive in the desert. Uh, anyways, just like early provision for them before they even get out there. Right. And so God's and it's just God's presence. Then we get a real quick like uh, fulfillment of Joseph's um, prophecy. Yeah. So before Joseph died, he said, uh, "Bury my bones here, but." carry them with you to the promised land because God will surely come and save you and take you from this place and bring you back into the right. land he promised. So that's awesome. We're seeing that now. And Moses is connected enough to the story that he remembers and grabs Joseph's bones and brings them out with yeah, them. Yeah, it just shows you how connected they are so to the good. patriarchs mm-hmm. and so how important it is to be buried in the promised land. Yeah. And so, um, so the pillar of fire... And the cloud become like a travel companion and guide mm-hmm. to the people of God. And, you know, God does that for us. He meets us where we are and he guides us. He protects us. And then um, Moses hears from the Lord, like, look, there's like this really quick way to get to the promised land. But God's like, no, you're not going to do that. Right. You're going to go down and get hemmed in by the desert. So you're going away from like all the Delta region of the yeah. Nile where Goshen was, you know? Like the... There was Fertile. like travel paths right. with all the other nations and to get to Canaan. Like there was a much easier way to get to Canaan. But but, uh, but God says, go yeah. get up against the, the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And it's like, here's why. And I never caught this as clearly as I did this time. God's saying, I'm going to trap, I'm going to trap the uh, Egyptians. Yeah. But it looked like. And I'm going to make it look like you're trapped. Like, you guys just don't know the way. You're slaves. You're fools. You know, obviously, you don't have the army. You don't have the soldiers. You've all been making bricks. And so God is, like, luring the Egyptians because they're just going to keep pursuing. Mm -hmm. They're going to be this, like, constant problem. Right. And so God's like, look, let's not go straight. Let's go down. It looks hopeless. The people cry out, and they do what we all do, which is like, why did you bring us out here to die? We should have died back in... Egypt, mm-hmm. uh, already forgetting that their babies are being killed for 40 years and that oh, yeah. they're making bricks and it's awful. And some of the great, like some of my favorite verses come up in chapter 14. And that is where uh, Moses addresses the people. He addresses the people. And uh, it's so chapter 14, verse 13. Let me see what it says. Um, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. It's like a bold... Mm -hmm. But he's saying what the Lord has told him to say. 
And Moses wants to freak out, but I just love that. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Like, if that's not appropriate for us every day, like, if, if this is the only verse you ever hear, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord. He will work it. But then it's followed by my even, I didn't think a verse could get any better. But then in verse 14, so chapter 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Boom. I mean, that's, that's yeah. beak delivered by a raven. <laughs> the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Doesn't that sound crazy in the midst of like your crisis right now? Like whatever you're worried about today, let the Lord fight for you. Just be silent. And that silence is trust in, in the God. Fear yeah. not. I love it. And he says this. They're hemmed in being attacked. They're about to yeah. be, they're trapped by the most powerful. And there's, I mean, there's. Bronze sl- Age. They're slaves. Like at best, like if they have weapons, it's like tools. Yeah. They have like a hoe. Yeah. And they're going to swing it at a trained officer in the Egyptian right. army. And this is like the elite unit that has chariots. And history kind of tells us on the chariot, there's like an archer. There's like a captain who can, who's, yeah. who's directing things. Like this is the Marines. And there they are. And um, they're not messing around. And God says, I hear your cry. Be silent. I'll do the work. I'm not going to give you, um, I'm not going to just, just make this disappear. Mm-hmm. You're going to walk through death. Yes. Ready? Let's walk through the death of the waters. So good. It's like a perfect bookend. You know, it starts oh, off like with putting out. all the babies in the in the in Nile, Nile to drown them, and now it's ending with the Red Sea, and this is going to end their interaction with Egypt. And now Egypt's going to be drowned right. in the waters. And oh, all man. Their, all so their, good. Yeah. So Holy cow. And it's going to be done by the boy is who... God's just like an amazing storyteller. I know. It, it seems like there's times when I think, God really knows what he's doing. <laughs> Um, and so they have an angel who covers them from behind. The yeah, cloud. so the cloud moves in between yeah. um, them and the army. And again, it's like almost like a, a recreation of the ninth plague. So the Pharaoh's army is completely in darkness, and uh, the Israelites have light and for the whole night. So there's this wind, and it's really cool. I never understood the geography or the directions, but... The Red Sea is running north-south, yeah, and there's an east wind that blows, so it literally just cuts right through the waters. Like, this wind blows through and cuts through the waters and makes that, like, cool little corridor that we kind of all imagined, um, and it just blows right through, and then they are able to walk through on dry land. It's amazing. And then, so they're walking through, then the cloud... It's like God's breath. Yeah, it's the breath of creation. Of, and also the breath of judgment yes. for one group. And at the same time, the Life. breath of salvation yeah. for the other. So amazing. Well, it says also that um, the Lord allowed them to be kind of in a panic, clogging their chariot wheels. Oh, yeah. So so the cloud lifts. Egypt sees them walking through the water going, oh, okay, but let's go for it. <laughs> and then, yeah, so they get in. And, and as they get in, their chariots start breaking down. And they freak out and start realizing... Wait, the Lord, the Lord is fighting for them yeah. again. Why did we get fooled again? <laughs> yeah, and the, they're fearful, and they're like, oh, well, and then the way it ends, before, uh, for today, the way it ends is that Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Yeah, so the waters open for the Israelites. They pass through, and then just 
crash down on the Egyptians, the Egyptians and wipe out the greatest army of the, that time. So they start looking like the locusts. Yes, that were, that were drowned in the sea. In the Red Sea. Oh my gosh. But I just, what, I, what hits me too is how Israel feared the Lord, they believed in the Lord, and they believed in his servant Moses. Mm-hmm. So like, we believe in the Lord, we believe in his servant Jesus, that he is a mediator, and he mediates and brings these, the power of God on earth as it is in heaven. So and the good. only last thought is, in light of Job, we know there's more going on. Yes. There's more going on in the heavenly. So it's funny to think about, this is what's happening on earth and how God is meeting his people and protecting them. But what must be happening in the spiritual realm with these gods who we, we, don't, we don't consider them real gods, like the god of the bull or whatever, but these are demonically powered entities yeah. of spiritual realities that God is, again, toying with. and he's disciplining. Sh- he's disciplining. He's like, look, let up. Mm-hmm. These are my kids. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to let you have free reign on them. Wow. Old Testament. Good old Moses. All right. Let's move on. It's time for our New Testament reading. Our New Testament reading is Matthew chapter 27, verse 11 through verse 66. Well, things don't get any uh, less brutal. We go from Exodus and the attempted murder of God's first son, Israel, to the attempted and real murder of God's only son, Jesus Christ. Yes. And so we are in chapter, you just said it, 2711. Mm-hmm. And so here's the characters I see happening, Matt. We'll tr- do it a little different today, maybe. Okay. There's, um, we start off with Pilate, and then we go to the crowd. We have the soldiers. We have the thieves on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Jesus and God. Yep. Then it kind of goes backwards. It goes, uh, the temple's thrown in there, but you have soldiers, women, and priests. So these are the characters that are happening at Jesus' death. Right. And uh, he's already gone through the courts of the priests and the elders. Yes. And they have turned him over. Remember, Israel is occupied by Romans, Mm -hmm. and they hate the Romans, but they're waiting to overthrow the Romans. But it's like, what what can we do? And it's just funny how now with Jesus, they're like, oh, let's turn him into the Romans. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they would do that normally. They would want to just handle it themselves and not include the Romans because they don't want the Romans to give them any attention, mm-hmm. positive or negative. Like, let's just, these are the people who are trying to overthrow us and control us, but now they proudly go, let's take them to Pilate. And so they're giving the authority because they don't really want the blood on their hands. Yeah, I think, um, too, it's probably a way to avoid riots with their own people. Yes. Because Jesus still has a big following. And so among the leadership, the priests of the people who should be pointing to a Messiah, they're like pointing to death and the law. And so they're wanting to get rid of him. So if the Rome gets rid of him, right. then it's it looks a little You're better right. on that. So if like they found fault with Jesus and then Rome finds fault with Jesus, then his condemnation is even greater. Isn't it sad that... It's more secure. The people who hold the mysteries of God become the greatest politicians. Yeah. And they're using the system to maintain their to authority abuse. and to accomplish their own purposes in murder, even using the Romans to murder for them because the Romans can handle the, the upheaval if there's any to follow. So you have Pilate, who's the governor now, and he does not practice justice. In fact, 
He says, are you the king? Jesus says, you have said so. Um, and he is unable to, like, he has no power. Really. Like, Pilate still is only concerned about, how do I get out of this? Without public get, opinion. Yeah, with public opinion. Like, yeah. he's like, do I really want to waste my time? Because what happens is, he says, why don't you say anything, Jesus? Like the chief elders, and they're there screaming stuff, and Jesus is ignoring them. Mm-hmm. And I see it this time as Jesus recognizes who the authority is and figures, you guys already heard me. I'm mm-hmm. not responding to your accusations. I'm responding to Pilate. You've turned me over to him. Right. Also, Jesus is doing what Moses just said in, in chapter 14, verse 14 of Exodus, which is, the Lord will fight for you. You have only be silent. Yes. And so Jesus is there going, I don't have to speak. I answer to God, and the Lord will fight for me. He knows what he's doing, which was amazing. Yeah, um, so we have um, Pilate. He's trying to f- figure a way out and trying to get a way to distance himself from this whole scene because he's realizing, like, this is messed up. Like, his wife even has, like, a I dream. Know. Again, God speaks through dreams. Very interesting. Constantly throughout the I've never Old noticed, Testament yeah. and New Testament. Like, it doesn't stop. But God's so. being gracious to Pilate. Yeah. It's not like Pilate has to do this. No, yeah, he's actually trying to give Pilate an out. Um, and we see we see God do this with authorities in the Old Testament, with mm-hmm. all the kings that Abraham like interacted with. Mm-hmm. He sent dreams to them in their household. And so we see here it happens again with Pilate and his household. And so Pilate knows enough, like, I don't want to be around this. So he tries to get a way out through, like, a traditional custom. Right which is like they would let go one Jewish uh, prisoner each year to kind of pacify the people. And so usually it's like any one of their choosing, but Pilate frames it in a way to kind of like like favor Jesus. So he goes, look, you can either get Jesus or Barabbas, which Barabbas was like a terrorist of that time. So he was like, who do you want? And he's thinking, oh, of course they'll pick Jesus because no one wants Barabbas out. Right. This guy's crazy. Yeah. And the people... Barabbas is doing all the wrong things. Yeah. He's getting Rome upset with the Jews. He's drawing negative attention. Mm-hmm. He's in a usur- Like, he's... Yeah, but the people said, we'll take... We'll take Barabbas. We we'll want him. Barabbas. Yeah. We would want you to crucify Jesus. And we want you to crucify Jesus. There's yes. a phrase, though, that says uh, where... Pilate says nothing can be gained by fighting for Jesus. When he saw that yeah. nothing could be gained, that's when he washes his hands and says, whatever, you guys have spoken. And and it's almost like um, there's two things for me there. Yes. One is we sometimes feel justified in you know by going, well, I'm not going to decide one way or the other. Nothing can be gained. My hands are tied. Wrong. Yeah. He did miss out. Something could have been gained. Pilate could have been not forever remembered in the Apostles' Creed as the one who crucified our Lord. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was the authority under whose watch he did it. He could have gained salvation. I mean, he tries to save himself, right? This is the the theme. This is what everyone's doing. They're trying to save themselves, and he tries to save himself by distancing himself. Instead, he is eternally remembered as the one Jesus suffered under. And what's crazy is then the crowd, which is, you have to remember... The temple crowd is the temple crowd. Yeah, it's the religious leaders. And Yeah, these are the guys who have been hanging around all night waiting for Jesus to die. So it's not like the normal... Sometimes we think it's like every Jew was no, saying, crucify. No, yeah. no these it's are the, the people who know better. It's the leadership. And 
not the people who've been following Jesus no. around being healed and seeing the miracles. Right. I used to think, like, how do the people turn on him? Mm-hmm. No. And no, the people who are being healed don't want this to happen at all. But And they wouldn't even use this language because the language the temple crowd says is, let us be cursed. Put his blood on us. Like, you're washing it, Pilate? We'll take it. Yeah. Put it on us and our children because this guy, because they believe he's a blasphemer. <sighs> yeah. They think they're doing what's right. I mean, and most likely, these are the Levites. Oh, yeah, you're right. They're missing it. So, um, Which, I mean, it's classic Levi. Oh, and by the way, you know, with Pilate, the other thought was, we can't wash ourselves. You can't just wash your hands and say you're forgiven. Right. You don't have the authority or their power. So there's a guy who goes, I'm going to wash my hands of this. R- wrong again, buddy. Like, on every level, if you and I say, oh, I'm just going to wash myself of that. I'm going to not be involved. Yes. You, you are involved. You're human. And you need atonement for your sin. You're either going to pay for it yourself and try to save yourself, mm-hmm. or you're going to allow Christ to save you. So, uh, you see, the crowd, the temple leaders, are actually worse than Pilate. Right. But they're all bad shit. They're, I mean, they're all they're all actually becoming more in common. Mm-hmm. Then you see the soldiers. So after this, the soldiers then physically it moves beyond like cursing and blessing and. And political. so this is where the suffering comes from because right. this is still under Pilate. This yeah. is his soldiers. So. We had Jesus abused by the temple soldiers, and right. now he's being abused by and did you, Pilate soldiers. Did you notice this? So most of us are familiar with the soldiers mocked him and made him a king and crown of thorns, which I, I always think is wonderful because the thorns are part of the, um, the, curse. the curse, and Jesus becomes the king over the cursed earth, and he's redeeming it. But besides that, I caught this time, they dressed him back in his clothes. Oh, so yeah. it's like the soldiers beat up a prisoner and then represent them as if they didn't do anything wrong. Like they're still scared. They could get in trouble yeah. for beating up a prisoner. Like we've had issues in America where it's like, you can't, you can't just do whatever you want to prisoners of war mm-hmm. or whatever. Like you're held accountable. And I just noticed like, why did they dress? Why didn't they let him go out in his fake King costume? Uh-huh. And probably cause a, they didn't want to lose their cloak or whatever they used. And B, they didn't want to get in trouble by Pilate, who's trying to go, hey, man, you guys are being stupid soldiers. Right. Don't don't make the mobs more angry. Right. By hurting them too much. I don't know. I don't know. I was just, it was just yeah, interesting. interesting. But um, then you got the cross. As he goes to the cross, there's the, the gall. And uh, some say that it was a narcotic to lessen the pain. And Jesus refuses it. Also, I don't know. Like, one of the thoughts I had was, it's wine. Yeah. Um, and he says he won't drink of the... Oh, yeah. Until uh, a new... Um, until the kingdom is fully, fully come. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it could also be him just being like, no, it's not my time yet. Right. Uh, Which he says at his first miracle mm-hmm. with the wedding of Cana. Um, yeah, so any of those things, I think, are they're all right, probably, and all great. But, so he's, he's on the cross. He's suffering. He's being mocked. And then finally, you have the two uh, thieves. And in Matthew's account, Matthew doesn't seem to care about the salvation of one of the thieves like Luke does. But um, the common theme while he's on the cross is everybody walks by, including the thieves, say, oh, if you're God, save yourself. Yeah. Save yourself. Like, Bring yourself down. And, um, and that, to me, has always, oh, in the last several years is a theme that we all have to contend with because that is our go-to. When times get tough, save yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you going to wait around for God? He's letting you suffer. 
You prayed not to get in that accident and you still got in an accident. You prayed to do this and you still got that. So save yourself. And Jesus, being the son of God, says, no, 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 no. We walk through these hard things because our God never leaves us nor forsakes us. Mm -hmm. And he's even getting ready to scream out, God, why have you forsaken me? Like he's going to to go through being separated from God for the salvation of the world right? and for his people. But I just noticed the priest, the robbers, they all have more in common. The Israelites and the Roman soldiers are kind of working together in a mutual hate of Jesus. Yeah, they're all it's looking just, more and more the same. And notice this in yourself, especially in these days in, in our country. There's like this, this kind of undercurrent of righteous indignation for a country that has no moral standard. It's interesting, but when we are... Uh, we all have a common enemy. You know, a con- common enemy, enemy brings people together. And it feels good. Like, yeah, we're all against this group. But notice, that happens against Jesus. Right. Like, we can, we can feel good about common, you know, being together to do bad. Mm-hmm. And so um, this common enemy of Jesus brings together people who ought to hate each other like chief priests and Roman soldiers. Yeah. That's the confusion. Uh, that's the confusion that the enemy puts us in to, uh, and it reveals the depths of our confusion and hatred towards God, our, really our desire to be independent and to save ourselves. We would prefer that. We think we could do it better, even though nothing has ever proved to work out that way. So now we get to Jesus' death, unless you have something else to say on that. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, so... It's amazing because now we see the kind of uh, the ninth plague yeah. kind of it, it, replayed. Yeah. So there's darkness at the sixth hour, which is like noon. Um, so at the height of the sun, darkness covers the land. Yeah. And um, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. And is it, he's crying out in Aramaic, right? That's why yeah. there's like this confusion among the people of what Eli, he's... Eli, Eli, Which is why they are confused as to what he's they saying. They think he's calling down Elijah because they still don't understand anything he said. No. That John was come before him. They killed yeah. John. And now he is... They still have a hard time understanding that he is the, the Messiah. Right. That he is divine. Right. And, so and, he's... He, but he's giving up his spirit and... Right. This is the lamb that's crucified that his, none of the bones are broken. So right. normally, like, you die, the way you die being crucified is through suffocation. Right. You suffocate. Because you push yourself up with to get your, air. With your, yeah, with, with your, your legs. With your legs. You're pushing yourself up to try to, to and breathe. so <gasps> if, if you're going on too long, they would break your legs. So you couldn't push your legs up anymore. Right. And you would suffocate. And so Jesus gives his spirit over freely. And dies before they have to break his legs. Right. So, Which again, directly correlates to what we just read in Exodus, where it's yeah. like the lamb's bones must not, not be, be broken. broken. I know. So crazy. Well, it gets dark, and then there's an earthquake. Again, yeah, so he dies, yields up his spirit, there's an earthquake, and then something crazier happens, which yeah. I think goes along with my whole mountain thing. It's, it's the removal of any obstacle between us and God. Right? Oh, right. So what's the last, what's the, the most glaring last obstacle, obstacle right Death. here? Death and then 
The what? curtain? Yeah, the curtain. Oh, you're talking about the curtain. The, the veil. Curtain. Yeah. The curtain is torn from top to bottom. This massive curtain that separates the priests from the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. It's torn as if a giant God tore it from the top to the bottom. It's not torn from the bottom up. So it's like, how did this curtain get torn? God said, now the veil that you needed to protect you from the presence of God has been removed. Jesus Christ is that veil. He's become that veil, and now we can look into the the glory of God. We can look into the face of Jesus for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And so the temple, the curtain is lifted. It's broken. There's an earthquake. There's an earthquake, and then there's resurrections. People rise from the dead. They come back to town. Like, the power of this... (laughs) It's like, there's Uncle Ernie. He died three months ago, and um, he's back. Yeah. And so the power of this... It's funny, you kind of see it now going, the opposite, things yeah, shift. Yeah, But the power of God is poured out, and you have Jesus really in his human in his human nature mm-hmm. being separated from God, crying out, why have you forsaken me? But immediately the power and the judgment of God is manifested on earth as it is in heaven, and it results in the barrier being taken away and the barrier of death even being lifted mm-hmm. for that day. Yeah. And then the soldiers respond with faith. They're like, this guy was the son of God. No doubt. Yeah, so the ones who were just beating him yeah. turn and realize, oh, man. And this, they're the ones that get it. The Gentiles are the ones that get it. This is a bigger trick than just getting off the cross. Right. This is kind of a big deal. The women are there for him. Um, and then you got the priests. who are So the, you, got, you got a list of women who are there for him. The soldiers believe. And then you have the chief priests who go to the Roman officials and say, you know what? All of a sudden, we remember what he said. He said he was going to raise from the dead. Yeah, they almost hear it better than the disciples heard. Yeah. Like, the disciples, I feel like, just couldn't hear that he was going to come back from the dead and didn't believe it. And so they're taking it seriously as if, like, we are... Like, the disciples probably heard this, and they're probably going to try to make it happen. But the disciples barely understood what anything Jesus was saying. And so here, the temple guards are going... Oh, uh, we want to take what he said seriously, so we're going to establish a guard around the temple. It's because they're so scared about losing power. Have you ever sinned? Yeah. And then it's like the lie, the snowball lie, right? Like you make one lie, and now you got to lie again. Yeah. Now you got to lie again. Bigger, bigger, and bigger. so they're trying to protect themselves, and they're like, we killed him. Yes, it's done. Oh, but, wait. But there was an earthquake. It got dark, and people resurrected, and they're like, uh, I don't know how he did that, but we need to make sure he's really dead. And so put a bigger rock around it, a sign. Seal it. Seal it. Yeah. Yeah. Seal it. And this rock is to keep animals out and all this stuff. And uh, seal it up. And what they end up doing is making a better case for the resurrection of Christ. Like they end up, it's like, it's like the magician assistant or someone from the audience. Like, what card? Here, tap on this bowl. Right. All right, it's real. Are right? there this any is wires? Yeah. yeah. Show that there's no wires here. Yeah, and they so, end up proving it beyond a doubt at this point right like they end up becoming an instrument in the resurrection facts by saying they might be faking it yeah and we're gonna make sure they don't fake it so further proving it to be even more of a fact it's pretty great it's not faked so they become part of god's plan on (laughs) accident so good um but the resurrection man it's so amazing and um we just want to find ourselves loving jesus you know Mm mm-hmm yeah, so now we are under his sacrifice. His blood yeah. covers us and protects us from the destroyer. 
we are protected, and we are all now, by faith in Jesus, consecrated as the firstborn children. Mm-hmm. We receive the inheritance, a double portion of it, and it's beginning now, as evidenced by our faith. It is crazy thinking about the parallel between Exodus and this, where mm-hmm. Jesus starts off with the institution of the Lord's Supper, yeah. and then enters into death. Right. and is sacrificed, and we have the institution of the Passover, and then the destroying angel comes in. Right. So good. Just And so even in God's grace, taking a sacrifice, so in the Old Testament, it's like, uh, you don't need to die for your sin. You don't know how sinful you are, but the grace of God allows you to kill an animal, and mm-hmm. it'll work. And then Jesus comes, and it's the grace of God. He dies for us, but he lives, and we keep saying, for the, like, like Pharaoh crying out to Moses, pray for me. We cry out to Jesus, will you pray for me? And he's faithful and just. He says, of course, mm-hmm. this is what I've always done, and this is what I died for. So call upon me. Here's how you pray. Mm-hmm. Do it in my name. It's really cool. Yeah. All right. We need to stop. We got to stop. I, I right. could keep talking, but we'll save it for next episode. Uh, our psalm for today is Psalm 21, verse 1 through 7. O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices, in your salvation how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire, you have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings, you set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked life of you, you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation, splendor and majesty you bestowed on him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Well, go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.